We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Good morning, church. How are you going? Oh, it's good to be here, isn't it, hey? The worship this morning and just uh, the, the, the space that's created for us to be ourselves and to bring ourselves and our circumstances and our lives into God's presence and just to be able to have Him minister to us and minister to one another in this context is just a privilege, a privilege. Never take it for granted, church, because it could change in a moment. We've been uh, working through a series of the, the good work and uh, today is the fourth part in that series and uh, it's talking about leadership and about uh, when God calls us to a particular area, lays something on our hearts about what it means to step that out in perseverance and strength and capacity and to keep on track. And uh, we had uh, John Sweetman last week that fitted right into that theme of talking about leadership. And uh, John's message was kind of like a dangerous one last week, like he was outlining what good leadership looks like. And, you know, there, there could have been the situation where you kind of, you know, looked at what John said and then looked at our leaders and went, oh dear, I think we're in trouble. But you know, it was so good to know that we've got good leadership here and Pastor Phil has done a crack of a job for many years and certainly fills those three categories and uh, we've got a good church and we thank you for being such good people, so supportive and so generous along the way and it's a privilege, a privilege to serve here at LifePoint, amen? And uh, we thank you for who that you are. Well, today we wanna go and talk about um, distractions, um, we're looking at being leaders in God's kingdom. And what does that mean? Well, I believe that every one of us, the moment we give our lives to Jesus, we become an influencer. We become a leader in who we are. We can influence our family, our loved ones. We can influence wider in the work that we do. And we can have uh, things that God lays on our heart at particular seasons that God calls us to do. And you might remember last Sunday, we had a whole lot of beautiful young people uh, that have committed to Project 11 and uh, we're gonna get behind them and mentor them and uh, support them in leading. And this very first week uh, that they were doing their quiet times, it was an emphasis on them stopping, uh, giving time with God somewhere in the day where they would sit and ask God to lay on their heart what He wants them to do. Uh, ask God to give them a burden for something in this world. Ask God to give them a desire of what is He calling them to? What is he, what's an inkling towards a, a need within the community or within the life of the church? And so uh, it's been exciting to see that unfolding. And I'm sure there'll be many stories to be told of what God is laying on their hearts. But God is laying on your hearts as well. Opportunities, seasons, things that He's calling you to step up and to be involved in in a powerful and a wonderful way, both small and great. And I love that we look at Nehemiah about this because Nehemiah isn't one of the major prophets or the minor prophets. He's not uh, one of the kings. Uh, he is just an ordinary guy that had a job in, in Persia and uh, and supporting the king in his way as a cupbearer, but he had a burden on his heart when he heard that Jerusalem was in a bad way and the walls were broken down. And so he steps up and does this mighty work. There's no major uh, miracles that we see in a mighty way. There's no burning bushes. There's no carving of the sea. 
There's no uh, 10, you know, angels that turn up that are 10 foot tall and singing, uh, we are the champions. Uh, it's, it's ordinary life as Nehemiah twists and turns and makes decisions under God's hand. And we're ordinary people and, and it's a great encouragement how God can just use an ordinary fellow. And we each here today can take this on board today. So when it comes to doing the work of God, there are many things that can distract us. And we need to shut the door on those distractions. When I was entering ministry, someone said to me that, Lloyd, there's always the good, the better, and the best. There's lots of things that you can be involved in. And there'll be lots of requests and requirements that come your way, but you have to sift through them all and you have to realize what is your priorities and what is the most meaningful thing in the kingdom of God to be doing right now. That's really important. Well, let's read from Nehemiah. He's confronted yet again by those nasty fellows from the north, Sanballat, Tobiah and Jeshem. And uh, they proposition him to meet with them. Let's read what it says. Sanballat, Tobiah, Jeshem and the Arab and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sanballat and Jeshem sent a message asking me to meet them at once, uh, of, meet me at one of the villages in the place called Ono. Well, I think that's the funniest thing in the world. Nehemiah knew immediately not to go to those places because I've got to tell you, you should never ever meet your enemies at a place called, oh no. You like that? Oh no. <laughs> he knew straight up. You know, and Nehemiah could have thought because these guys have been haggling and this is the fourth time round that they've, uh, sent him something and just tried to discourage him. And he could have thought, look, I need to go and meet with these guys. It'll be a great PR trip. I can set them straight about what I'm trying to do and it would be a really good trip. And it might've been, it might've been a wonderful thing. But Nehemiah realises that the best thing he can do right now is to build a wall, is to put the doors on, to finish the work. The work's not yet ready. I mean, the work's not done. The city's not safe. And if they did turn up, if they did challenge us, the city is not safe, the doors are not on. So we can often think that there's an opportunity, but God calls it a distraction. That's the first point this morning. And we need to be careful in making clear decisions about what it is that presents to us. Nehemiah was asked to go to Ono and he says, oh no. I'm not going. The second distraction that we face is the inability to say no. There's so many needs, isn't there? It's overwhelming sometimes when you get phone calls, you get needs come your way in the life of the church and our staff. We have lots and lots of needs to come our way and as much as we can, we seek to meet those needs, but they all need to come under what is God calling us to do right now? Where is the spearhead? Does this fit right now what we're doing? And in your lives, you need to ask the same thing. Now I counsel many people and the root problem for many people and many dysfunctions, even addictions, is generally comes back to people pleasing. 
strangely enough. And many of us grow up in a family or a context where this has become a bit of a theme, where we just love to please people around us and that leads to an inability to say no, is that correct? And so we often get consumed in meeting the expectations of other people around. We lack persona in ourselves and identity because our identity is consumed in meeting the identities and the needs of others around us. And that's not healthy. That leads to what they call codependence, that I need you to prop me up. I need to be investing in all these people to feel some sense of worth. Saying no is very, very important. It's final, isn't it? We used to have a fellow on staff that used to say, what part of no don't you understand? My boys have been very compliant and they've been very helpful in certain seasons in their life. And then reluctance sets in and laziness perhaps. And I've always said to my boys that reluctance is the beginning of laziness. A willing spirit is a good thing, is that right? A willing spirit. It's a, it's a terrible thing in leadership when you go to someone and they're constantly reluctant. They, they, they are reluctant to help, reluctant to do, reluctant to step up, reluct, and it's just irritating. Well, there's been a bit of a phrase that's been used recently in my family. Drew's been very compliant through his years and... Uh, He's been very willing and I'll say, Drew, look, I need you to mow the lawn this afternoon or you do the edges or help in this way or whatever. And Drew's always said, yeah, dad, I'll do that. But lately I'm hearing when I ask Drew to do something, he says, I'll try, dad. I'll try. And there's a bit of a theme that's starting to present and that is that I'll try is really a soft way of telling dad no because I'll try never seems to come through with the job done. <laughs> Even parents, when your kids ask you to do something or they want something particularly, and you know in your heart you're not gonna do it, you go maybe, is that right? You mow maybe, and you know it's no, the kids know it's no, but because it's not no, they keep hampering you, is that right? There's nothing better than the words N-O. You can't come back from that. It's so important for us as parents, as children, as people to be able to say yes and to be able to say no because sometimes no is the right thing to say. You know, people are very resourceful that have come to you to ask you to do something for them. When you say no, it's amazing how quickly they'll find some way or someone to meet that need. But in people pleasing, it's never productive to say yes for the wrong reasons. And we always need to say yes on the basis of, is this for me? Is God calling me to do this in the midst of His call in a greater sense of what God calls me to do for right now in this season of life? If you are always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give anyone. Amen? If you are always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give anyone. The third distraction is what people might say. What people might say about you. Have you ever had gossip told about you? I believe one of the most damaging and evil things in the scriptures is gossip. Gossip does an enormous 
amount of damage. Here's a little sentence about gossip. Rumours carried by haters, spread by fools and accepted by idiots. Let's read of an account. The fifth time Sanballat's servant came with an open letter in his hand and this is what it said. There is a rumour among the surrounding nations and Jeshem tells me it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel and that is why you're building the wall. According to his report, you plan to be their king. Well, that's pretty devastating news and it's completely wrong. Nehemiah, he could have got in there and he could have met with these guys and he could have got very upset with them and said, that is not the truth. But he remained silent, didn't he? He replied to them, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. And it says that as a result of the accusations about Nehemiah, he turned his energies to building the wall with even more fervor. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes when you're upset and sometimes you're a, 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 someone comes against you, there's opposition, you wanna retaliate. And that can take a lot of energy and a lot of effort and a lot of emotional energy. But sometimes the best thing is, is to keep doing what God's called you to do with greater fervour and with greater commitment. And in that way, you're showing what the truth is about you. It's a wonderful thing to move forward. So don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about what is true about you. Is that good? Worry about what's true about you. They were just trying to intimidate us, Nehemiah says. Imagine that they could have discouraged us and stopped the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. And it says that he got the people to work with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Finish the work, but be prepared for opposition. Next is a sneaky kind of distraction when it comes to leadership. The distraction of entitlement or an entitled spirit. Well, what does that look like? Well, one of the temptations that was sent to Nehemiah, one of the prophets come to him, Shemaiah. He says, or he went to, to this prophet. He said, later I went to visit Shemaiah and he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. So these guys, Jessam and Tobiah, had consorted with one of the prophets to tell lies and to put the fear of death into Nehemiah and that he would protect himself and lock himself away inside the city walls, inside the temple. But this is his reply. He said, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realise that God has not spoken to him, that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. 
You see, sometimes when we've been in a job or been in leadership for some time, we, we can become entitled and we think, well, I deserve to be preserved. Nehemiah could have gone and locked himself in the temple and in fear, as if it were, to protect his own life. But he said, no, I'm not gonna do that. Everyone else is out there working hard. I'm gonna lead them and I'm gonna have a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. And I'm no more special than anyone else. I will lead from the front and I'll lead by my actions. And that's really important. Nehemiah didn't come to make a name for himself. He came to build the wall. But entitlement can look in some ways very differently. I just wanna tell a story about something that happened with me some years ago and that was, um, I shared with you a little bit about uh, my life and that I was involved in an evangelistic ministry with uh, a band and we toured extensively and I was involved in that ministry for eight to nine years and, um, and we'd become very effective and we'd seen many thousands of young people come to Jesus. I'd become very confident in my role and I knew my role well and I enjoyed it greatly. And, uh, and in some ways at the end of that ministry, I almost felt bulletproof. You know what it is to feel very able and very capable and, and uh, I had a, 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 a business card that said Lloyd Miller, manager slash director of travellers and oh, I found great esteem in that and, uh, and felt great joy of what we'd created and what had gone on in the ministry. But yet I felt God calling me further into uh, going to Bible college. At that stage, I didn't feel God's call particularly to be a pastor, but I was called into Bible college and I knew that quite clearly. Um, and so I kind of thought, well, God, this is, uh, I've been able to do this and this is going well and uh, I'm sure Bible college will be really easy and I'll just walk through that and that won't be too hard at all. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, I started Bible college and uh, I didn't even have the funds to pay for my first year and, uh, and uh, I started to, uh, to enter lectures and I had no idea how to write notes. I had no idea about the whole academic pursuit and about how do I work towards an exam? How do I prepare for exam? How do I cram? Uh, what is it like to do an essay? Uh, and what sort of things do I need to focus on? And so I had all these people gathering around me that are well trained in these areas, trying to, and I'm asking them questions about how on earth, but it was excruciating. And I remember going, uh, sitting at the desk one time and I was so, so close to throwing my laptop out the window as a Frisbee. I uh, had had a very active light and I've seen a lot of things and every day was very busy, but I went from that to sitting at a desk, looking out the window at a willow tree and studying. And it used to make my blood boil. It wasn't something I was used to. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. It was extremely difficult for me. And there were a few times that I nearly pulled out. But you know, I came to learn through that experience a very important point. You see, when God calls you, it's not about how good you are. It's not about how special you might be or gifted. When God calls you, it's your willingness to serve Him. It's your willingness to be obedient that's the important thing. The rest will come. 
And I learned that even though I'd been very successful in one capacity, that didn't mean that I could be entitled to that in the next season. Again, I had to learn that I had to be totally reliant on Jesus and all that I brought to my endeavour in my studies was a willing spirit to do what God called me to do. It wasn't about my intelligence and my capacity. And that was a good lesson to learn. There were many times that I nearly gave up. There were many times that I felt really squeezed and really I struggled greatly with it. But there were some times that God came close and encouraged me and they were the best times in the world. I remember uh, driving from the church that I was pastoring across Sydney uh, through Carlingford and then I'd go through Epping where the, where the train station was. And on one particular day, I'd do scripture in the schools at uh, Balkham Hills and I'd race back to my lectures on the other side of town. And uh, on my race back, within the speed limit of course, um, there was a young fellow thumbing a lift and he was a, he was a good looking young rooster and he had a backpack on and long hair and, and he wanted to get to the Epping station. And so I opened my little car up and said, mate, come on in, jump in. And we had about probably 10 kilometres together driving through the traffic. And this young fellow, I asked him lots of questions thinking I'm gonna lead him to Jesus or do something fantastic. And um, we chatted and talked and chatted and talked about everything. And I didn't even tell him my name. And uh, he said a lot of things about what he's doing and what he's hoping to do and everything like that. And then, uh, and then at the end of that time, uh, we found a little spot to park illegally uh, just so he could get out to the train station and I could take off. And uh, he got out the car and uh, he had had the window down and he leant through the window and he said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, Lloyd, I'd never told him my name. He said, Lloyd, I just want you to know you're on the right track, keep going, it's okay. And he put his backpack on, I've never seen that boy again. Was he an angel? Probably, because man, those words seared into my heart. This is about two years into my ministry training. I wish God had done it earlier. (laughs) But you know, that catapulted me forward. Just that young fella saying those few words to me was gold to me to encourage me forward. Well, you know, when we look at the story of Nehemiah, there's very little stars and lights. There's very little amazing, miraculous things. It's just an ordinary guy who felt he had a calling from God and he nutted it out to the best of his ability. And God was with him at every turn. Isn't that amazing? And just like you and whatever God's calling you to do, it'll be the same. Be faithful to your call, face the opposition. Don't let distractions take you from the work that God is calling you to and keep moving forward. And it may have to do with seasons that you're in as well. There may be seasons where God is calling you to be a good parent. God is calling you to study. God is calling you to follow through on your apprenticeship. God is calling you to build a wall of some sort. And he wants you to have the tenacity not to be distracted. Amen. I'd invite the worship team to come forward. And uh, I just want to lead you in a word of prayer. I'd like you to stand at this point that uh, whatever discouragement that is coming your way, 
that the Lord was speaking to your heart today, that He would lay a burden of that, of that thing He's calling you to, to persist, to, to persevere, to come through. I would love for you to meet an angel this afternoon and God would speak into your life in a powerful way. He may do that. God confirms things along the way when we get discouraged and maybe that's what He wants to do with you today. But I want us to rise up as a people with fervour in our hearts and fire in our bellies to serve the Lord all of our days. Amen. So Lord, we come to You today and we thank You, Lord, for the things that You've laid on our hearts, the positions that you brought us to, the leadership that we can exercise, Lord, whether it be simply telling my neighbour about Jesus, whether it be demonstrating my faith and walking the faith in front of my loved ones, whether it be a good parent, Lord, in that season of being faithful to raise my little ones, whether it be looking after my students and being faithful to the call as a teacher or doing an apprenticeship so that I can serve the Lord in a particular vocation. Or whether it be like Nehemiah doing a particular task for a season and building a wall, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord Jesus, we ask that You'd give us perseverance, that Lord, we'd find strength and encouragement in You, that we would not be in the habit of leaving church out of our lives, that we would not be in the habit of not walking with You and having time with You, that we would press into You and know Your hand and Your goodness and Your provision through all of these things, Lord. And Lord, may You do a miracle through us. May we demonstrate miracles in the way that we live our life with our tenacity, with our capacity, with our faithfulness and with our walk with You. We ask in the precious Name of Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.